Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to this bonus episode of Musings of an ADD Mime. Today, I have a very special guest. I have been watching the world when school districts and people going crazy because of the cove and schools having massive kids and teachers being sick. And I thought, man, I should have somebody who works in education on the show. Who could I have? And then I was like, duh, Heather's cousin's a principal. She would be perfect. So that's my guest today, Michelle, Heather's cousin. And Michelle, if you'd like to say hi and tell the people your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I am a principal at an elementary school in a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona. So we're loving the weather right now. Sorry for all of your cold weather there. Um, But I've been in education for over 20 years now. I have a master's of arts in teaching and a master's of arts in leadership. Um, and I have five years of, I have experience as a teacher and then five years of experience as a principal as well. Okay. A lot of yeah, fun. You're, you're definitely in the trenches right now. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, uh, I've never been happier that my children are all grown than no since doubt. 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting for sure. Yeah. I, I can't imagine colleges, schools, all, everything having to deal with just negotiating through this. Yeah. And it's constantly changing. I mean, we come up with one plan and we're like on plan Z right now. Right. <laughs> Always changing. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. So <laughs> it's got to suck. So I guess we'll go ahead and get into it. And I guess we'll start with this question. At the beginning of the pandemic, what steps or actions did your school and school district take? Um, yeah, I, thinking back to that, I mean, it's been almost two years now. I remember being at a dinner with some fellow principals uh, over spring break of March mm. 2020, and we heard rumors about how it might impact schools and rumors that we might close. And we're like, but there's no possible way. There's no way that they're going to close yeah. school. It's just not possible. And then it happened. Um, we expected it to be, you know, a two weeks or so. We thought it would be a couple mm-hmm. of weeks and then we'd go back to normal. Life is good. No, it, it just kept going and kept going. Uh, so initially we closed, we went online. Well, I'm sorry, let me back up. The first, initially in March of 2020, we closed And we weren't quite ready to fully transfer to online. We did hand out devices to all students and teachers did everything they could. It Mm -hmm. definitely wasn't a normal school year for the rest of the year. It wasn't, it wasn't typical online learning that we Mm -hmm. transitioned to. It was, we had packets and we had teachers getting on Zoom meets and everything when they could. We had to build our infrastructure too, to really be able Mm -hmm. to do that. 
but we did our best to make it through the year. We, I used to joke all the time about being an online principal or a stay at home principal. <laughs> I didn't think that was actually possible. I figured out, found out that it was possible. Uh, so we, we switched online for that last quarter and then going into the 2021 school year, we thought we were going to be able to start in person. And then as we saw cases rising and everything, we realized we were going to have to start online. So we completely pivoted again, mm-hmm. got devices handed out to students again, and we were online. Then after fall break, we're like, we're going to do this. We're going to come in person. So we had barriers up in our classrooms. You know, we built mm-hmm. out of PVC and vinyl, we built barriers. We had barriers up in the office, which are still there, plexiglass. We talked, learned social distancing. We set up uh, recess zones so that our students stayed together as a class during recess so that if we had to contact trace, we could minimize the impact. Mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time talking about masking and what is a proper mask, what isn't. I had a lot of challenges about that. And we just tried to make it work. And then we were in person for about five weeks and our case counts started going up around November of 20. And we went back online right before Thanksgiving and stayed online through January. Then we were finally able to come back in person, but we did hybrid because Mm -hmm. some parents wanted, weren't comfortable with their kids coming back, which totally get, it's a very individual decision for the families and they have to do Mm -hmm. what they think is best for, for their kiddo. So we had some at home, some in person. That was definitely a challenge as well. And then this year we were finally able to come back in person with social distancing and masking all year. We Mm -hmm. took down some of our barriers just because as we learn more about COVID, our expectations or not expectations, but some of our mitigation strategies have changed. Mm -hmm. But distancing to the extent we can and masks have been the main things that we've kept in place the whole time. One thing that just occurred to me while you were talking, did it affect how you did like lunch? So instead of say all of fifth grade going at once, half of fifth grade went at once so everybody could have more distance. Yeah, I actually, I had to, I went through the entire day. So we changed everything from how children enter the building at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the day to, and where they go to lunches. So for breakfast and lunch. Um, initially last year, they were all in their own classroom for breakfast and lunch oh, because wow. it was just the best way we could mm-hmm. distance them because we still had barriers up. Right. And so that was the best we could do this year. What, what I've done is typically I would have two grades in the cafeteria at about at a time, about 200 kids. Mm-hmm. Now we have switched it so that we have our K2 eats in the cafeteria three, five eats. We have this nice courtyard area where they eat. Um, okay. So they're outside three through five mm-hmm. outs are outside and they actually enjoy it on hot right. weather days and, or bad weather days. Most of that is hot weather for us. <laughs> then they eat in the classrooms, but okay. yeah, we had to rethink literally every single thing that they do all day. Yeah. And I had little yeah. sit spots to on outside in our courtyard for where they can sit so that they're distanced. Our cafeteria tables have sit spots so that kids know where they're supposed to be so that we can try to distance them the best that we can. I mean, they're, you know, they're like little kittens. They're all over each other all the time. So (laughs) you have to be very, 
explicit with where they have to sit and the different kinds of things that they have to do. We, our PE teachers are fabulous. They came up with different games and different things that they could do at recess to Mm -hmm. try to minimize contact as much as possible. We've loosened up on that some just because, you know, it's hard, it's hard to maintain that. And COVID is so prevalent at this point that mm-hmm. we, we try the best we can, but even our best mitigation strategies aren't as effective as they used to be. Well, I mean, outside of school, nobody else seems to be trying. So, well, that's the other thing is that even our, our quarantine. So we're still quarantining if students are a close contact and initially mm-hmm. we would quarantine the whole class. Now what we do is I, I spend about half of my day contact tracing So we find out the kids who were within six feet for more than 15 minutes and they, if they're not vaccinated or haven't had COVID within 90 days, then they stay home for five days. Mm -hmm. It helps that the health department has changed those guidelines, but um, I just lost my train of thought. It happens. It's in the title of the show. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that (laughs) uh, now even kids who are quarantined, we see them out at the store. We see them at restaurants, at the grocery store. So mm-hmm. people aren't quarantining the same way that they used to. That sounds like a uh, former vice presidential candidate currently in New York City. I'm not going to name any names, but it's Sarah <laughs> Palin. <laughs> oh, I, I hadn't heard that. Is she living uh, it up in New York City? She was supposed to be in court on Monday. On Sunday, she tested positive for COVID for the second time. And on Wednesday, she was seen eating at an, at an Italian restaurant. I mean, come on. I mean, it's not just about you. Like people have to look out for other people. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's, no one seems to care. Yeah. I would imagine that going forward, uh, ele- or not elementary, education from high school level down is probably permanently going to be changed and different than how it was February, 2020. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah. I think one thing that we've seen, one of the biggest shifts we've seen, well, my school was always really good about focusing on social emotional health, mm-hmm. but I think that's become, we've, we've increased our focus on social emotional health because mm-hmm. We've seen the impacts of COVID, but we just see the how important it is that we talk about students' social emotional health and do things to help them, you know, in that area. Mm-hmm. I think we've also realized the impacts even more of different family situations and how mm-hmm. they impact the student. Because the unique thing about being online is we actually got to see inside their their homes. Mm-hmm. And understand some of the baggage that students brought to school that impacted mm-hmm. their learning. So now we just have our eyes more wide open about some of the things that students go through at home. And I think we, we just look at things differently to, to make sure that we can help kids in every way possible, not just mm-hmm. academically. Yeah. That's something I hadn't thought of seeing, yeah. you know, Wow. Yeah. Little Joey lives with a hoarder. <laughs> no, I mean, really, it's yeah. you see, you see hoarding, you see some really sad family situations. Mm-hmm. You realize the role that grandparents, aunts, and uncles play. Yeah. You know, there are some parents that were right next to their kid 
the mm-hmm. entire time. And you also then understand why some kids have a hard time working independently. Right. <laughs> so it was really interesting just to have that glimpse into homes in our students' lives. We get to see it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I imagine it changes uh, when you're in college, getting your degree in education. That's probably going to also see a big change, I would have to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I'm actually, my school is going to start working with the ASU um, College of Education. So Mm -hmm. I have a training next week because we are going to become a mentor school Mm -hmm. for ASU teachers in company, you know, teachers in development. Um, and I think they're totally changing the way they look at it because they recognize that traditional teacher preparation programs don't totally prepare them for everything they need. So we're going to be looking at a lot more than just teaching how to teach, but looking at all of those soft skills that, that people don't think about that teachers need because you're yeah. not just a teacher, you're a nurse, a counselor, surrogate mom, you're everything. Yeah. COVID has changed everything. Like, you know, I work for the state of Oklahoma and Tuesday morning we did of back March, 2020, we did not have a work at home policy for the state of Oklahoma. You either were in the office or you were on sick leave or vacation. Mm-hmm. Wednesday at noon, the next <laughs> day, we were getting sit home to work. <laughs> it, was it was so like, weird, oh. right? Yeah. And the part that sucked is there were no laptops. You know, this is the state. You just can't order a bunch of laptops. Right. No, so, it's a process. Yeah. We were expected to use our computers and stuff at home. But when you become a state employee, you sign a thing that anything you use that does official state business is now open to uh, Freedom Information Act stuff. So now my laptop, they can just take it. Oh, somebody's doing this. We need your laptop. Yep. And so that was crazy. Three people in our our office computers crashed from doing work from work. And it's like, uh, what am I going to do now? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I had teachers also who... I mean, I had teachers who didn't really use technology, mm-hmm. you know, they still taught in a very traditional way, mm-hmm. which was great. I mean, they, they had great results with their kids. Their kids were learning every day, so it was fine. And then they suddenly had to pivot to online learning. And I mean, I had a teacher who didn't even have a cell phone Oh wow! because she was, she taught old school. So teaching teachers how to really mm-hmm. fully use technology while we were all at home. So it's not like I could go sit next to them and say, here's how you do it. Right. It, it would, that was definitely a challenge too. Yeah. It, just like I said, we had to figure out infrastructure systems. We, as a district spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on hotspots also, because mm-hmm. we had some kids who didn't have technology or yeah. didn't have Wi-Fi at home. Mm-hmm. So we had to provide it. Um, now I'm proud of how quickly our district pivoted. It mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't quick enough for some parents, but overall, really, we had to build that infrastructure and make sure our teachers knew how to teach, make sure parents knew how to get on to online mm-hmm. learning. We had to build digital classrooms. I mean, all of that happened within weeks mm-hmm. and we use Google Classroom, but even I didn't know how to use it when mm-hmm. all of this started. We had it 
I just, I didn't, hadn't used it. So we all all had to quickly learn how to do all of those things to effectively teach online. Teachers had to translate and transfer all of their worksheets and different things that they did in person onto online. So I know some people might've thought that, oh, teachers are just staying home with their feet up, watching Netflix, all of that. Oh no. I worked more than ever when we were online. And I, then, I can imagine so. We all work a lot in education. We all work a lot. It's not it's not just that little time period where the kids right. are there. We work many more hours more than that to get right. everything prepared. But when we were online, it was it was just nonstop to make sure that we could do the best for our kids. Yeah, yeah. I wish that now me could go to February 2020 me and say, buy stock in Zoom. No kidding. (laughs) Then we could retire. (laughs) Yes. And the other good benefit of the state of Oklahoma now having work at home policy, I have a coworker that went through uh, breast cancer treatment and she was able to work at home during that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, instead of using all of vacation and leave, and that was really good for you know, her and, you know, other people as well. So that was a nice side benefit. Well, I think we've realized, I mean, certainly for teachers in the classroom, they need to be there with their kids. But I think we've realized that there are different ways that we can make things work in, in the workforce in general, and that you don't have to be in your office sitting behind a desk to be productive and to, to do your work. And for, in a case like your coworker, there may be times that, you know, it's not good for her to be out in the public due to the treatments that she's going through and physically getting up and going into the office may tire her out, but being home, she can still be productive, still get stuff done just at home. So I think that's been good overall. We are recognizing we can do things differently than we always thought we could. Yeah. I found I do better going to the office. I'm less distracted. I'm like, Oh, Hey squirrel. Oh, what's that going on outside? Oh, hey, puppy. Yeah, for <laughs> so, sure. I I do better at work, but you know. <laughs> I feel like if I had one day a week where I could stay home and just get caught up on everything, that'd be awesome. Even like once a month, that would be awesome. But yeah, yeah I'm definitely better. I need the, my focus is better when I'm there mm-hmm. and I like to be around people. So yeah. Well, I don't want to talk to any of my coworkers. I'm just less <laughs> distracted. <laughs> well, and my coworkers can be part of the distraction sometimes too, but yeah. that's okay. How dare you interrupt me while I listen to this song for the 27,000th time? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I guess getting back to the questions. So the start of this current school year, now that you had had more time of learning everything, um, were the changes, because now you're not behind the curve. So you went yeah. in sort of, you know, the nice game plan. Is that game plan still around? Yeah. I mean, what we've switched to this year is because we started back in person this year. And the difference is last year, it was up and down and on and off. This year, we all started off in person. Our district actually created an online school. Mm -hmm. So for parents who wanted online still, they had to actually change schools and move to the online school. So my school is in person. We do have, um, if you're quarantining 
or sick, then you Mm -hmm. stay home, obviously. So we send the device home, we send work home and teachers will do a hybrid during that time. They, they aren't, the kids aren't on all day because that's just not, it's, it's not the same being online for kids as it is in person. So they'll join meets for Mm -hmm. part of the day so they can still feel connected to their class and listen to teacher's instruction. And then they're doing the, the written work on their own later. Mm-hmm. But so it really did help us be more prepared for it. Teachers know more how to adapt lessons mm-hmm. better so that it's, it was definitely easier this year going into this year. Having said that, I think this year has been the hardest year mm-hmm. and we thought March of 2020 was the hardest. And then we thought last year was the hardest. This year's definitely been harder because there it's just a revolving door of kids. Mm-hmm. Constantly yeah. have kids going in and out and teachers, you know, they have to keep going. So they're still instructing, following their curriculum maps and everything like they normally would. But then Billy comes in after having missed five days. So then teachers mm-hmm. have to go catch him up and then somebody else goes out. So it's just constant. The revolving door of kids coming in and out and teachers coming in and out has been, I think, probably our biggest challenge this year. I I would imagine <laughs> that's. Glad I'm not in education at the moment. <laughs> well, and, you know, we're still being held accountable by the state and federal government for just like it's a normal, typical year for state testing and all of that. And right. I understand the need for state testing and holding us accountable 100%, but it's not going to look like a typical year. It's just not right. because yeah. we're still trying to make up for the loss of instruction. Our kids, our kindergartners who they were in kindergarten in March of 2020 are now in second grade. And some of those critical early reading foundational skills that you really need to be in person to learn, mm-hmm. they're still trying to catch up on some of those things. Yeah. So it's, it's just been more of a challenge with that. So teachers are working harder than ever to try to make sure that their kids are learning like they should be. Mm-hmm. My nephew was a straight A student. And now he's a solid C. So I can see where your testing is going to be affected. And that sucks because that's how you get federal monies and state monies. And here in Oklahoma, the schools get uh, A through F grade. Yep, we do too. And I I would be shocked if anyone got an A after this year just because of all the challenges. Yeah. Last year we did state testing, but they kept our letter grades the same. So I'm still an A. My school is still an A proudly. Um, So they kept our our letter grades the same. They haven't decided this year what they're Mm -hmm. going to do. But I mean, it would be really hard for any school, like you said, to get an A this year. And it's not because we're not working harder than ever. It's because we're still having to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. My my other nephew hates online school because if he has a question, it's like, you know, it can be 30 minutes before he is able to get an answer versus in class, raises his hand, gets his answer then, you know, immediately. And well, so it's it's bothered him too, but he's kept his uh, grades relatively uh, the same as before. Oh, that's good. I do think that's another thing that was really challenging with online learning though, because, you know, you and I can have a conversation easily and mm-hmm. we can read each other's facial cues and know when it's my turn to talk or your turn to talk. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at a screen of 25 people, 
it's harder to do that. And kids can't just, you can't just say, okay, who can tell me the answer to this question and have kids blurt out yeah. answers. You can't do that because then you can't hear each other. So it, it just changes the dynamics of the way you teach and learn mm-hmm. in a typical class to do that. And you can't have the collaboration like you used to that makes such an impact for kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask what's probably going to be the hardest question. My most Barbara Walters question. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you don't cry. Oh no, man. (laughs) How has it been dealing with parents in this time of, even though there's over a hundred years of evidence that, mask work and vaccines work saying they don't work and yeah. my kid won't wear them. How has that been? Um, I've noticed I, you still have hair. Yeah, but I mean, the listeners can't see it, but I definitely, <laughs> well, my hair, I have to color my hair more often um, <laughs> and I've gained new wrinkles, <laughs> uh, bags under the eyes. I, I do have to say my community has, is it's, in our district, I think is very split. Mm-hmm. So for every email that I get that says masks are horrible and you're being horrible to my child and you know I, I can't believe you're making them do that and they can't breathe and all of that. For every one of those I get, I get another email that says we must wear masks. We need to implement more mitigation strategies. So it's been, I don't know if I'm my district is typical, but it's been very split and people are very polarized on which side of the fence they stand or mm-hmm. aisle. Um, it's been very polarizing. Oh, so yeah. we kind of hit a point. I don't, I, I hate to even say this because every time I say something, then it, it brings on a new email or problem. Um, I haven't heard as much lately. I, I think they Everyone. really getting sick with Omicron, maybe? (laughs) Maybe they're all just home. I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I haven't heard as much lately. I do have, it seems to be, you know, with vaccinations as well. I I get it. It's a parent, right? You do what you believe is best for your kid. And, you know, I, I strongly believe that parents should decide that. I think if you have this thing available that can help keep your kid safe, do it. I'm fully vaccinated and boosted and Um, the majority of my staff is too, because it's one of those things that we can do that helps. It doesn't mean we're not going to get it. And I think that's some of the misunderstanding is that the vaccines were not ever intended to be, you're not ever going to get it. Like you might have for chicken pox. It's more like flu where we might still get it, but it's going to be milder. So um, what, what we try to we have vaccination clinics at our school and I have a lot of parents. I get angry emails. You can't vaccinate my kid. Mm -hmm. I'm not ever going to vaccinate your kid without your permission and without you being there to hold their hand while they do it. We would never do that. Um, But one of the things that we do to try to, I guess, help encourage parents to do it is if children are vaccinated, they no longer have to quarantine. Mm-hmm. If they're positive, then they have to stay home and isolate, right, right. but they wouldn't have to quarantine for a close contact. And we try to explain that, like, that's one simple thing you can do that will keep your kid in school unless they're sick. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's definitely seen a different side of people than I ever thought yeah, I would yeah. see. Some it, of the, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it doesn't help when there is a whole 
sort of segment of the media that is saying they're bringing forced vaccinations. So yeah. when your school has a, you know, a clinic for it, all the parents that believe that are going to be like, you can't, you know, force my kid to get this. And it's like, well, there's no such thing as forced vaccinations. Right. So we're not doing that. Okay. Yeah. And there's also no chips. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my sister has pointed out that um, people that were, you know, friends and everything ran in the same circles before have like completely veered off. Don't talk to each other anymore. Yeah. And then it's, well, it's COVID and people's view on it and masks and vaccines. It's sad though, that it's brought us to that because I mean, I can't think of an example right now, but there definitely have been polarizing issues before that it was just kind of understood. Okay. So we just don't talk about the subject at the dinner table. Right. Whereas COVID, I mean, it, it's definitely politicized has come to the point where, like you said, people have stopped talking because mm-hmm. of it. And it makes yeah. me sad. Yeah. Um, I didn't like talking to people for worse. So it didn't really change anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, are you going to start going out again? Since COVID, you stay at home. And I'm like, did you not know me before? I never went out. <laughs> oh, all of my favorite things are at home. You know, don't tell me to go big or go home. I will go home every time. Always. That is actually one thing, though, that I am more cognizant of is that, you know, with those parents who and community members who don't think that we should be masking and things like that. I I mean, I'm always I'm going to keep myself safe. I want to be at school. Um, So I always wear a mask and everything when I go out. But I'm always aware that. I have eyes on me and that people might judge if mm-hmm. I'm out at Target or something or out yeah. with to dinner that, you know, our, our kids aren't in school, but you can go to dinner. Yeah. And obviously yeah. during the height of not the height, cause we're still in it, but in the earlier days, nobody went out anywhere, but I was at a grocery store and a guy was open carrying and I was wearing my mask and he was like, you don't have to live in fear. And I was like, says the guy carrying the gun on his hip. <laughs> I'm more likely to get COVID than you are to be in a gunfight. You're not at the OK Corral, pal. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, what if he's got a gun? Yeah. <laughs> and then he, oh, his response was touche. <laughs> so. OK, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Oh, ironic that, that I've seen a lot of those ironies. The, the gun yeah. took the guy saying, you don't need to be fearful. All right. You either. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy times. I have said WTF more in the last, well, really six years, but the last two years, especially it, it is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I keep yeah. the language clean at school, but uh, yeah, I say it or think it more than I ever have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So real quick, well, not real quick, with the major surge, how has it affected you guys within the last month? Are you able to find subs? Are you having to shut down a couple days a week just because of it? You know, did you shut down for an extra week because of it? How has that affected you? Um, We haven't shut down at all. There, I definitely have been more creative than ever with staffing. Mm -hmm. because I mean, I had 
three of my four kindergarten teachers out at one time. There was one day that I had 10 staff members out. Wow. And luckily, I mean, I had a talk with my staff at our staff meeting and I said, we're lucky that we tend to get subs more than some other schools in the district. Mm-hmm. Be kind to them, make them feel at home, treat yes, them nice, yeah. buy them coffee, whatever. We want them to come back. Um, but yeah, I've had to get really creative with staffing in the, in the last January has been the longest month of my entire life. I think it's been around 150 days. It seems like because January, we thought December was bad. January has been really rough. We Mm -hmm. definitely have, um, canceled a lot of our specials classes, PE music library, Mm -hmm. and had those teachers teaching in regular classrooms. We've had to split classes. Some as a district, we actually came up with it. We call it our critical mass plan on what to do on those days that you just don't have enough adults in the building. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's not that teachers don't want to be there. I know that that was the thought for a while that teachers just don't want to teach there. There was, there was a time at the beginning that we were all afraid to leave our houses and, you know, kids are not the most hygienic little beings in the world. Yeah. You guys were in a Petri dish before COVID. (laughs) Right. And you, you have kids literally walk up in your face and cough all over you. And you know, it's just, they don't know better. So there was definitely fear at the beginning. Now it's just that I, as the administrator have to say, you're sick, you have to stay home. Mm -hmm. So then we have to figure out a way to have the adults there for the kids. So Mm -hmm. I've taught every, our superintendent taught math yesterday in a middle school. Wow. Because it's truly all hands on deck. Anyone in the district, in the district offices who has a certificate now pretty much teaches full time instead of doing their regular job. Right, right. Here in Oklahoma, the our governor signed an executive order that if you are a state employee that isn't federally funded, they will waive whatever experience and you can fill out a form with your boss to go substitute, but you get your pay from your normal state agency. That's to, awesome. To go and do that. And I could do it. But I don't want to go in that Petri dish, (laughs) right? (laughs) See, that's the problem. I'm not, (laughs) but that's what I hear a lot is that, you know, you just, we need more subs. We need more subs, all of that. But then people don't want to do it because the reality is, yeah, it's a Petri dish. Yeah. Plus I get behind at work and, you know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, it does hurt the system then too. Yeah. Our governor keeps talking about, you know, I'm going to get more subs. I'm going to get more subs. Great. Do it. Please yeah. do it. Like it's, it's what we need. Yeah. Um, unfortunately you can't miracle people to go and do it. So yeah. Yeah. That's. Ugh. I know some States have called in the national guard. Mm-hmm. Well. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. That's two weekends a month. And Yeah. <laughs> and elementary school all year. That's right. <laughs> Not in the National Guard anymore, too. <laughs> so you could, you, at one point, you could have been called up for, for multiple reasons. Yeah, yeah, that would have would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Subbing is hard. I before I yeah. became a teacher, I subbed, and it's definitely hard. I had somebody tell me, "If you enjoyed subbing, then you should definitely be a teacher. You would love it." Yeah, because actually, yeah. it was hard that I had fun. I don't know how many people I've known that are like, "I used to never get sick, and now I'm." 
always seeming to get a cold. And I'm like, you used to never have a kid in elementary school. <laughs> now you have two. <laughs> I have to say it helped my immune system. It's yes. <laughs> being a, working in the Petri dish for over 20 years has helped my immune system. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, well, we sort of covered a good chunk of these questions. So I guess I'll move on to this last one. Is there anything special you want parents to know from the administrative staff that, I don't know, we're not doing these things to piss you off. We know finding babysitting on your end is difficult and all of that. Just anything you would like to share? Yeah, I really do. I mean, I, I do understand it's hard for parents. I mean, I, I hate making those calls and saying, hi, just wanted to let you know you have to keep your kid home for five days. And I like, I get how hard it is. I really do. Mm-hmm. But just understand also that we're trying to keep your kids safe. Mm-hmm. And I know we may not agree on how we do that, but that's our ultimate goal. We, we are in the business of helping children. All we want to do. That's all we've ever wanted to do. So we understand it's difficult for you. Understand this has been really tough for us. And I think we all just need to assume everyone's doing their best. Yeah. And and just know that we're all trying to do our best yeah. and with a common goal. Being home for a week may be inconvenient, but it's a lot less inconvenient than planning a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. It so. is. And that's, it's just, we want to keep our kids safe and healthy and, um, and, and still be able so that they can be there to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want your kid to be a dead B spend time in the ICU. Yeah. Cause who wants that copay? Yeah. Right? And who wants the sick kid? That's right. really why I wear a mask. I just don't want the copay from ICU. I, I totally get that. I, I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> I, I, I'm cheap when it comes to stuff like that too. I, um, I think also if you have questions or want to know what our policies are, always ask. I never mind talking to parents, but just understand that we're people too. And, you know, we, we have to look at things in a different way than just what works for your child. So just, just come, come to us understanding that. And most of the time, probably parents as well. So you're really getting it on both ends. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm lucky. The majority of my, of our community is amazing mm-hmm. and they may not always agree with everything, but, but they do get that we're trying. Mm-hmm. Which so is good. It. Which is good. See stuff on the news where parents are following administrators to their car and going oh, to their I'm, homes. And I'm glad you're not having to deal with that. I've, I've sent some cease and desist letters oh, to nice. Parents who are not being nice. Um, we have security at our board meetings now. I mm-hmm. mean, we definitely have different things in place than we've ever had to worry about. But I, I always tell teachers when they have parents upset with them, don't think about that small percentage of parents mm-hmm. who are upset. Think about the rest of your class who are mm-hmm. thrilled and happy with what you do every day. Yeah. I know the negative tends to stand out, but I, I try to. And myself too, focus on the positive and the parents who are super supportive and mm-hmm. get what we're trying to do. Well, thank you for coming on. I think we've pretty much covered every, everything in this bonus episode, <laughs> which 
really, I just made work, more work for myself in the editing <laughs> process. But I just wanted to touch on this just because yeah, you know, absolutely, it's, it's a major topic everywhere right now. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking time out of a Saturday to come and talk to me. Thank you. It's, you know, hopefully parents or some people can see a kind of an inside view of what it is like to be in school. I'm off to contact trace now because I got a notification about a positive case in my school. So that's my, that's why I'm spending my Saturday. Saturday. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I like to keep it fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um, thank you again. I'm going to go ahead in the show as I always do. And I know that I fell at this every day because I'm kind of a poop shoot at times. But remember, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.